Yeah, what a, what a strange world we live in. I know. Alrighty, we're back in okay. action. <laughs> so I was just saying with Henry, with the horseback riding, when you ride, isn't it so, um, it's like almost like meditation. It's really nice. Yes, it's very much like meditation, especially when I like riding and all of that. I go like into a sunset and I just have to sit there on my horse and just like meditate for about maybe 15 to 30 seconds. And then sometimes I even have done it as long as five minutes there. Yeah, it no, it it's amazing. Uh, I love trail riding. I love riding with people. I think a lot more people need to get out and go horseback riding. Actually, with Dan, um, I worked with a lot of uh, you know children with disabilities. You know, five, six, and seven year olds. So I said, Dan, if you could, if you ever want to ride a horse, all you have to do is clean a stall, and you can <laughs> ride it for free. So I got Dan on a horse one time and he was scared. But after you get up, you know, after you're not scared anymore and you trust the horse, it's actually amazing. Yeah, I think growing up in the 90s, what happened to Christopher Reeves probably scared me from riding a horse. Yeah, and such such irony, too. I mean, out of all the people that could have happened to it happened to the guy who played Superman. <laughs> he went from yeah. flying to not being able to walk. That's <laughs> speaking about volunteering with kids and all of that, I used to volunteer at a place in Tucson, Arizona called Therapeutic Writing of Tucson that was actually featured on a episode are more like two episodes of the show called A Dude on Nickelodeon. Oh, um, yeah, the Barn on Ranch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That was, I thought that show was all right. Um, hey, dude, I watched it periodically, but not as much as some of the others. Yeah, I guess I've never really been a whole country western person or anything, so I couldn't really relate to it. Yeah, there's a certain appeal to it for sure. Um, I know in my situation, your shorts was more relatable because uh, growing up, I was actually a Boy Scout and later became an Eagle Scout. So a lot of my, you know, childhood memories of being outdoors was at summer camp, and I could directly associate them with both that show and Arcade of Dark as a result. And on Salute Your Shorts, all the characters were just so like uniquely engaging. They all had a very unique, memorable trait to their personalities, which helped make it interesting. Definitely. And it wasn't even like they were, um, not necessarily typecast, but they weren't like the clean cut actors and actresses of Disney where, um, Nickelodeon was really into just hiring kids, letting them be kids in the show. And it was not the exception for Salute Shorts as well. And I feel that the show really flourished and, um, had that kind of staying power as a result because of that relatability and down-to-earth feeling that you got from, you know, watching these kids have fun at camp. Yeah, we'll have fun, but at the same time, they pretty much despised being there. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, the wacky hijinks uh, in each episode helped pass the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially Ugg. What made Ugg so unique was Ugg was both really funny and pretty scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he was almost like the, the parental guardian of the group where, you know, 
if he had to, he would put all the kids in line, but he also liked to hang around with them. Yeah. Which probably accounts for the fact that he was really the only adult uh, role that was on the show. Is there pretty much any scene that involved him almost busting the campers for something? All those scenes got pretty intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I think... Do. Sorry, go ahead. And gradually got an answer and an answer by the show, and it got very intense. Did you just say the show got very intense? I uh, know the like him busting us for different pranks and so forth like that. Like the first one would be like when we, when I got blamed for the, or stealing the stuff out of the girl's tent oh, on yeah. the phone. Yeah, that old glasses. Yeah. Oh, so you got in trouble for stealing glasses out of a tent? Well, in that episode, what happened was... um. Budnick and Donkey Lips, the two bullies, were jealous of the new popular kid, so they literally forced him to steal the girl's stuff. And then when um, the girls came in the next morning to the cafeteria trying to find out who stole it, and Budnick framed it on Henry, a.k.a. Flankman, and um, so that's when they were about to give him an awful waffle because they, they thought he stole all their stuff. Oh, got it. He, he, That's when Duncan pointed me out of the chair. Is this your stuff? And I shook my head, or not in my head, saying yes. <laughs> yeah, it always frustrated me at the end of that part when Michael takes the fall for everything, because Michael like took the fall for something that, that really wasn't his fault, that he was literally forced into doing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were literally forced into doing it because remember when Budnick and Donkey Lips had them tackled, they said the consequence if they didn't agree to do it was Donkey Lips, a really heavy set one, was going to sit on both their heads and fart. Yep. And he had beans for dinner. Yeah. So they. <laughs> So they really had no other choice, and it was frustrating that then all the girls, like, temporarily went from loving to hating him for something that he didn't even really do. Yep, and then Michael Stein came clean at the, at close to end and so forth like that. yeah. That was unfair. He should have ratted out Budnick for being the one behind it all. Yeah, it would have been a more just punishment in that situation. But at least after the first episode, you know, things leveled off and Michael became more integrated into the group after that. Yeah. And Michael was unique because he was sort of just like the straight guy of the bunch, the one that didn't really have any quirks like the rest of them. He was sort of just like the normal one of the bunch yeah he was more like a blank canvas in that sense where almost the viewer could project themselves onto him so that they can feel like what it's like to be a camp through him in a way yeah exactly um yeah i heard that they wanted danny to originally read for the part of michael and Danny saw the part and he's like, um, I, I would rather play the mean guy. He said he thought playing the nice guy would be boring. Well, he was right about that because he's certainly entertaining, you know, 
with his Budnick persona. Yeah, it's so weird picturing him as Michael. Imagine Danny being the one to sit on the kids' brownies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh, he said back brownie. Well, actually, there's Michael, and then Doug Mackey stole him. Yeah, that was probably the most intense episode, in my opinion, the Thud Mackey one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bowling is no joke at Camp Hanawana, especially when it comes to the smuggled food in the camp. Exactly. <laughs> so when did uh, a Salute Your Shorts end? <clears throat> what year? That would be 91. And when Wait, 93, you... I thought, was when it ended. Isn't 91 when it started? Uh, I think it was 89 to 90. I mean, on IMDb, it said 91 was when it started. Oh, wow. I mean, we all have a couple of years. I think, I think there's a little bit of different sources because um, when I checked some other websites, it was actually 91 to 92. But there was actually a, a pilot that aired around eighty nine ninety, which Henry might be thinking of, where there's slightly different casts of uh, characters before Nickelodeon picked it up. So that's when it started. So it was actually a short lived show, correct? And it, and then it had reruns. Yeah, two seasons, twenty six yeah, episodes. Technically yep. twenty five, because one of the episodes was a two parter. Uh, yeah, uh, Budnick loves Dino. Yeah, that was a awesome episode. Um, but yes, yeah, so um, Henry, you said the reason that they discontinued it is because they wanted to move you all out to Orlando, and none of the rest of them wanted to move from LA. Correct, because a lot of them had just gotten settled in their home spots and all of that, and then. Not everybody wanted to move. I know I was I was willing to move and all of that for season three, but that never occurred. Yeah, it sucks because that show could have gone on at least a few more seasons, I think. I would have loved to seen their story continue. Yeah, bare minimum one more season. Yeah, exactly. And but how old was everyone? I'm sure everyone had to go to school. Yeah, we had school on set. Oh, now, me and Trevor, oh, Trevor is exactly two months and two days older than myself. For those who are wondering who Trevor was, that was Sponge. Sponge Harris. Yep. <laughs> yep. He was a computer nerd. Yeah, he was a super genius one. And he's... What? The Captain Lincoln sign, Valdez. <laughs> but yeah, up all that information. <laughs> but yeah, that that actor's now super ripped. Um, the guy who played Sponge is like very muscular now. <laughs> but, but yeah, so um, Henry, ooh, ooh, what are, are are you still acting? What are some of your upcoming projects? Right now, I don't have anything upcoming yet. But if you want to take a look at my Facebook page, you can by going to F as in face, B as in boy, 
dot me forward slash H W L actor or my Instagram page that says Awful Waffle Kid for future development because you never know. I might be posting I'm gonna be having contests on there as well. Oh, so it's under Awful Waffle Kid and Instagram? Yes, Awful Waffle Kid on Instagram or my link at fb.me slash HWL actor on Facebook. Okay, so that's for everyone that wants to see Henry. And I'm definitely going to be adding you on Instagram when we're done with this podcast. I definitely will once I get off on my hiatus, too. Yeah, and yeah, Henry was actually the very first um, 90s Nickelodeon star that I actually connected with even before I connected with Danny. Yeah, Henry posted a post about the show telling people who he was, and I'm like, oh, awesome, it's it's Flankman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Henry, did you like working with Danny? Since I know Danny's going to hear this. Oh, I love working with Danny. Danny's a nice guy. I love him to death. Yes, he's so good to Dan and anyone that talks to him. He's just a really good person, and he's always himself, which I love. He's very authentic to himself. I love that. Yes, it's so ironic that most of his early 90s characters he played were mean, like Ren and Stimpy, Salute Your Shorts, um, Tiny Toon Adventures. (laughs) Yeah, well... Oh, when he played Montana Max. Yep, he was... Montana Max was more crazy, I'd say, than mean. (laughs) Even in Terminator 2, he was kind of like the outlaw kid, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he wasn't mean in that, but he was badass in that with his dirt bike. I guess so. So I guess he He never portrayed an angel. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely had that cool guy uh, outlaw persona to him for most of his early 90 rules. Yeah, and then he played a loose cannon and Hey Arnold, stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. One so, of his yeah. So, Henry, so working with Danny, you liked it. You guys all got along. Everything was fun. Uh, we all got along for the most part, but those hijinks behind the scenes, of course, just like any movie or TV show. I'm sure. But yeah, um, overall, anyone I've interacted with from there has seemed really cool. Like Venus was on the previous podcast with us. She seemed really cool. Um, I've briefly interacted with Michael Bauer. He seems like a nice guy. And I hope he's in good spirits. So I see a lot of his recent Facebook posts and they're not too happy posts. Yeah, hopefully he'll be able to hang in there. I know it's tough for a lot of people these days. Yeah. Is it because of the what's going on with the coronavirus? Uh, no, his not-so-happy posts were well before that. I don't know. Um, I guess he's going through a lot of personal stuff, and he's very open about letting people know about it online. Wow, if anyone that used to work with him should definitely reach out to him, see if he's okay. But I, I don't personally know him, so I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. 
But overall, he seems to be doing quite well for himself. Like, I know he's got that sports show. He's like a sports commentator now. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've never really paid that much attention to Bauer like I should have because he was fun to be around. Yeah. And, um... You also were in a bunch of episodes of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. What was that experience like? Uh, Danny Timberelli was actually fun to be around. The other one I really did not get so much along with. Michael Morona? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of my mom's best friends, her daughter, went to high school with Michael Morona. But yeah, yeah, New York City. But yeah, I heard Danny Tamborelli's cool. He got really heavy, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he got real heavy. There for a little bit. Yeah, him. He also has a family now, too. Yeah, he does. And him, I loved him in Pete and Pete, but I didn't really like him in All That when he joined the cast of All That. That's when I started watching Nickelodeon. I remember as a kid, that was like the first thing I remember. So I don't, what year was that? That was around like 97, 98. Yes. Around the time. And the Amanda, the Amanda show and cat dog. I even named my first cat Winslow. Like, (laughs) yeah, he lived, he lived for about 16 years. So that was like my era. So the early nineties, it's so cool to hear you guys talk about it because Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, even Nick at night when they would play like three's company and, uh, the, the Cosby show, honestly, if it wasn't for Nick at night, I would never know about those shows. Like, I, I know that sounds dumb because everyone does, but I would stay up late at night and watch those shows, which I'm very thankful for. And going way back to Henry and I's day of um, Nick at night, they had Green Acres, Dobie Gillis, Mr. Ed. <laughs> That's how old we are. <laughs> I'm not sure what era I watched Nick at Night, but I used to watch it with my parents a lot because uh, whenever I couldn't sleep, that's what was on. And I mostly remember shows like uh, Bewitched and Dragnet and I Dream of Genie. Yeah, all the black and white shows. Something. Yeah, yeah, those were pretty popular back then. They even had the original Superman from the 50s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was also black and white. Yeah, that must have been a hard show to do during that time period with, like, no technology or anything. They had to get really creative with their camera shots. Yeah. Don't forget Panic Junction. Yeah. But, yeah, Nick at Night, they, they put some together some really awesome shows. I will say that. But, yes, I if you, if you say that all that came about around 97 and 98. I guess that's when I started watching Well, it. no, I think that was... It had to have been a little bit earlier. Yeah, that was the season Danny... Because I, Tam- I watched Keenan and Cal too with it. But yeah, Danny yeah. Tamborelli, I think he meant joined around that time. But oh, yeah, right. the show... All it's, that premiered around 94. Yeah, the end of 94, beginning of 95, I think. Mm-hmm. That was a yep. show... 
Yeah, that show I don't think has aged too well. I I loved it as a kid, but um, yeah, I I didn't really like the reruns that I watched not too long ago. I thought that it it kind of seems cheesy now. That show. Yeah, I mean, it probably depends on the the age demographic being a little bit different than what it was for us when we were kids. Um, around like you know, 94 to 98 or, you know, that, that chunk of 90s that we all relate to. It seemed pretty fun and harmless, uh, very much like uh, SNL for kids, Saturday Night Live for kids. That's very um, true. Yeah, yeah, but it seemed like the longer it lasted, the more they tried to change up the formula, and then the, there's heavy rotation of, like, new cast. So I think with every incremental change, it, it lost a few original fans and, um, it kind of suffers from what I now call MTV syndrome, where a show lasts so long that what it looks like now is nothing what it used to be like when it first started that made it special in many cases. Absolutely. I think Good yeah. Burger's the only sketch that I still find funny as an adult. Uh, that's that will be time. That Good Burger's timeless. They're even don't they have Good Burgers now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun, no, fun fact about that: um, there was one they opened up in Los Angeles, uh, thanks to Kel Mitchell, with the, in line with like the all that reboot that happened last summer, and uh, a good chunk of the Celine Shorts cast showed up for the the grand opening of that in Los Angeles, and including Steve Slavkin, uh, the creator of Celine Shorts. Yeah, a lot of celebrities go to that Good Burger. And like you said earlier about some shows being timeless, Good Burger is timeless because kids that are five, six, seven, and eight right now watch it and they talk right. about it. And if you yeah. think. Do y'all, do y'all remember the line from Good Burger? Uh, good Burger. Oh, which home one? Welcome good to Good Burger, home, home of, of the Good, good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And if you think about it, in a lot of ways, the sketch of Good Burger was kind of similar to the sketch of Barth, and you can't do that on television because Good Burger 2 was like cringeworthy because it would show all the like nasty, unsanitary things <laughs> that Ed would do with the food. <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. They were both pretty much about food poisoning inducing restaurants <laughs> in a way that makes it relatable though because i'm sure at least some people have thought like some of the fast food restaurants they've eaten at aren't up to par so i guess that's a, a channel for those those sentiments yeah exactly sketch. exactly yeah good burger it was lucky that it didn't get shut down for health violations <laughs> Yeah, I never forget the episode where Ed was taking a, a bath in like the smoothie, and oh, like, yeah. the smoothie jacuzzi. <laughs> oh, even the secret sauce that he made! Oh my god, all the, the concoctions he was throwing in that looked so yeah. unsanitary. <laughs> well, I'm sure the real life good burger is a lot more uh, yes, let's hygienic. <laughs> But yes, that that show or it's a movie now. That was a movie. Yeah, they made a movie a, out yeah, of it. That that will forever be timeless, and I think generations of kids will always be watching that. And they did such a good job with making a plot, considering that was a very hard sketch to make a full length movie of. Since yeah. The sketch didn't really have like a plot or anything, so the fact that they were able to make a pl full length plot was very impressive. 
Totally. And it was actually mildly interesting, too. It had to do with, like, the slice of life of uh, Keenan and Kel working at the Good Burger, but also dealing with the competition of Mondo Burger next door, who always thinks, like, bigger is better. Um, and it kind of makes you think a little bit about SpongeBob and how uh, the Krusty Krab has its rivalry with the Chum Bucket over something similar. Oh, my God. That is true. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see patterns everywhere. <laughs> yes, I see it now. Wow. Like two sketch sketches that I think would have probably been easier to make into a movie would have been like Super Dude and Ishbu because those two sketches actually had kind of a plot. Yeah. That's yeah, true. There's always like a self-contained episodic feel to each of them, uh, no matter like who Super Dude saved during the day or who Ishbu interacted with. Uh, Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Henry, um, Pete and Pete was also quite an iconic show on a very iconic show for 90s, Nick. Um, do people ever come up to you about that show and men mention that show to you? I get that show very, very, very rare, but I mostly get recognized from being the awful, awful kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm curious, Henry, what episodes uh, do you remember shooting for Pete and Pete? I don't really hardly remember that show, even though I was on it quite a bit. Uh, was it more but, of like an extra bit? Yeah, I was an extra on there. Okay. It's still cool you had the opportunity to be on there, though. But yeah, so oh, yeah. <laughs> How is the guy who played Artie? He, I heard he's now like a very dirty stand-up comedian. Oh, God, yeah. He was even dirty back then, too. Was he... So it sounds like his character was almost like a personality role for him. He really was that, like, manic? Actually, he he's very manic. He's very manic in person. Yeah, he was quite a character, though. Um, I remember I actually legitimately cried at the episode where Artie left for good. Yeah, that was Farewell, My Little Viking. And that was also a two-parter. Yeah. Oh, God, that was so sad. I'm like, no, Artie, don't go. <laughs> I, I think it resonated with a lot of kids, you know, even grown-up 90s kids these days, because... It dealt with a, a passing of the guard and like a loss of childhood innocence. Because you always see little Pete with Artie just doing their thing, having fun, being good and goofy. But, uh, you know, now he's gone, there's that certain element of uh, childlikeness that left him. And even if you're able to somehow uh, revisit the mythical season three of Pete, you notice a shift in tone with uh, Pete's. Uh, performance. Yeah, I find it so ironic that the season right after Artie left is when Little Pete's main villain debuted, Pitstain. <laughs> yeah, he was a great foil to Little Pete, too, because he had a lot of charisma. He was he was very similar to Endless Mike, which is, you know, a bully who often associated with Big Pete, so they each have their own, um, you know, foes to deal with in certain surreal suburban situations. He yeah, say, say that ten times fast. Yeah, although I, I would say Endless Mike was even worse for the mere fact that Endless Mike actually murdered people in the wrestling episode. 
Yeah, that was that was dark. <laughs> yeah, he he. Yeah, he killed the three wrestlers who were in his weight class so that he could wrestle Big Pete. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, I was quite disturbed that scene where he puts like a magnet or something on the hair dryer, where it, it literally sucks that one kid into the hair dryer. Horrified, like, oh shoot, I better be careful when I wash my hands next time I use the, the bathroom at school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really interesting if you had, end up getting uh, Dave Martell on your show for the future episode because he played uh, Teddy Forsman. Oh, yeah, and he, he had a pretty big role in that episode. So, if you were able to contact him, that'd be interesting to get his perspective on it. Yeah, and he was a good actor too, that he played that role really well. Um, yeah, Pete and Pete would probably make a good stoner show that now that was one of those shows that was brilliant and like a being John Malkovich way. It was just so odd and bizarre, but it was brilliant. Definitely, definitely ahead of its time. Yeah. Such a trippy show. Yeah. So Henry, what are some of your future goals? Actually, I want to be a lot more acting, and if I can't get, and get anything right off the bat, I want to focus on my computer repair business. Oh, you have a repair business for what? Computers. Oh, computers. Okay, got it. Come here, yeah. So you want to be a techie? Oh, yeah, I very much into tech and work like that. I'm I built my very first computer at age of three. Holy shit. Yeah, it's actually about to cut out again. So yeah, 